We turn first of all to Hebrews chapter 11 and read the 23rd verse, which will be the text of the sermon. And then we'll turn back to Exodus chapter 2 and read the historical account. Hebrews 11, verse 23, By faith Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents, because they saw he was a proper child, and they were not afraid of the king's commandment. We turn back now to Exodus 2. We'll start with the very last verse of Exodus 1, Exodus 1, verse 22, and then read through the second chapter. And Pharaoh charged all his people, saying, Every son that is born ye shall cast into the river, and every daughter ye shall save alive. And there went a man of the house of Levi, and took to wife a daughter of Levi. And the woman conceived and bare a son. And when she saw him that he was a goodly child, she hid him three months. And when she could not longer hide him, she took for him an ark of bulrushes, and daubed it with slime and with pitch, and put the child therein. And she laid it in the flags, that is, the plants, the reeds, and the flags by the river's brink. And his sisters stood afar off, to wit what would be done to him. And the daughter of Pharaoh came down to wash herself at the river, and her maidens walked along by the river's side. And when she saw the ark among the flags, she sent her maid to fetch it. And when she had opened it, she saw the child, and behold, The babe wept, and she had compassion on him, and said, This is one of the Hebrews' children. Then said his sister to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and call to thee a nurse of the Hebrew women, that she may nurse the child for thee? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Go. And the maid went and called the child's mother. And Pharaoh's daughter said unto her, Take this child away and nurse it for me. And I will give thee thy wages. And the woman took the child and nursed it. And the child grew, and she brought him unto Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. And she called his name Moses. And she said, Because I drew him out of the water. And it came to pass in those days when Moses was grown, that he went out unto his brethren And looked on their burdens, and he spied an Egyptian smiting an Hebrew, one of his brethren. And he looked this way and that way, and when he saw that there was no man, he slew the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. And when he went out the second day, behold, two men of the Hebrews strove together. And he said to him that did the wrong, Wherefore smitest thou thy fellow? And he said, Who made thee a prince and a judge over us? Intendest thou to kill me, as thou killest the Egyptian? And Moses feared and said, 
Surely this thing is known. Now when Pharaoh heard this thing, he sought to slay Moses. But Moses fled from the face of Pharaoh and dwelt in the land of Midian. And he sat down by a well. Now the priest of Midian had seven daughters, and they came and drew water and filled the troughs to water their father's flock. And the shepherds came and drove them away. But Moses stood up and helped them and watered their flock. And when they came to rule their father, he said, How is it that ye are come so soon today? And they said, An Egyptian delivered us out of the hand of the shepherds, and also drew water enough for us, and watered the flock. And he said unto his daughters, And where is he? Why is it that ye have left the man? Call him, that he may eat bread. And Moses was content to dwell with the man. And he gave Moses Zipporah his daughter. And she bare him a son, and he called his name Gershom. For he said, I have been a stranger in a strange land. And it came to pass in process of time that the king of Egypt died. And the children of Israel sighed by reason of the bondage, and they cried. And their cry came up unto God by reason of the bondage. And God heard their groaning, and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. And God looked upon the children of Israel, and God had respect unto them. Thus far we read God's holy and inerrant word. May God add his blessing upon the reading of his holy scriptures. Beloved congregation in the Lord Jesus Christ, some of the heroes of faith who are listed in Hebrews chapter 11 perform such outstanding acts of valor that although we esteem them very highly and respect them for what they did, The reality is it can be difficult for us to be able to relate to them. We look at the acts of courage that they performed, how they walked by faith and not by sight, and some of these actions seem to be so courageous and filled with so much valor that it's almost like we could not even imagine attaining to such a level of faith and confidence in God and His promises. If we think of Moses who went out into a land that he would after receive for an inheritance and went out not knowing whether he went. What faith, or rather Abraham, what faith Abraham had that he would go out into that land. If we think of Moses, who by faith forsook Egypt and led the Israelites through the Red Sea, which the Egyptians, saying to do so, were drowned. 
a remarkable act, but is it relatable? We think of those who subdued kingdoms, who quenched the violence of fire, who lived in dens and caves of the earth. Again, we esteem them highly and respect them, but can we relate to them? In the text that God gives to us this evening, the Scriptures introduce to us a couple that are very much relatable. Amram and Jochebed, the parents of Moses. A young couple, husband and wife, who are captives in a foreign land, who have a child, and who now must make difficult decisions about how to rear up and protect this child that God has given unto them. Relatable, and yet they still are heroes of faith. And so may God use the example of the faith of Moses' parents to encourage us, whether as parents or as those live in the midst of a wicked world, that we too might walk by faith and not by sight. We consider this text this evening under the theme, Infant Moses Hid by Faith. First, we'll look at the historical account of this event. Second, we'll see the possibility of him being hid. And third, the significance The history, the possibility, the significance. Consider with me where the nation of Israel is at at this point in history. With our last sermon looking at Joseph, we concluded that the Israelites had now all come down to the land of Egypt. They moved down there, about 70 people strong. Since the time of Joseph, there has been some 300 years that have elapsed. During that span of 300 years down in Egypt, the nation, the Hebrew nation, has grown from being a family of 70 people to now being a large and a powerful nation. The Word of God tells us that there were 600,000, over 600,000 men of valor. That is, there were over 600,000 soldiers in the nation of Israel. And so if it's the case that there are some 600,000 soldiers, and then you have men who are too old to be fit for being a soldier men who are too young, and women, and children besides. The best estimates that we have for the size of the nation of Israel at this point in time is anywhere from 2 to 5 million people. A great and a powerful 
nation. Exodus 1 speaks of the growth of the nation of Israel during this time. Exodus 1, verse 6, And Joseph died, and all his brethren, and all that generation. And the children of Israel were fruitful, and increased abundantly, and multiplied, and waxed exceeding mighty, and the land was filled with them. The ruler over Egypt, a king called Pharaoh, was not unaware of the growth of the Hebrew nation at this point in time. In fact, the growth of this nation happened right underneath his nose in the land of Goshen, which he had given unto them. But the Scriptures tell us that there arose a Pharaoh who knew not Joseph. Exodus 1, verse 8, Now there arose up a new king over Egypt, which knew not Joseph. But the Scriptures say he did not know Joseph does not mean that he was unaware of who the man Joseph was. That he was ignorant of the history of how this Hebrew nation had ended up in the land of Goshen. But rather the meaning is that he did not think kindly or favorably unto Joseph and now this great nation that has come forth from Joseph and Joseph's siblings. But that this Pharaoh knew not Joseph means that this Pharaoh despised the covenant nation of God there settled in the land of Goshen. And so Pharaoh recognizing the great size of the Israelites at this time, recognizes that they present a threat, or at least could present a threat unto him. If the Israelites desired to flex their military strength against the Egyptians, the Israelites would have presented a powerful force to the safety and well-being of the Egyptians. Pharaoh recognized that reality. And so he said, verse 10 of Exodus 1, Come on, let us deal wisely with them, lest they multiply and it come to pass that there falleth out any war, that they join also unto our enemies and fight against us, and so get them up out of the land. Let us deal wisely. Certainly not with heavenly wisdom, but with the wicked, carnal wisdom of the world. And so in Pharaoh's carnal wisdom, he started implementing plans that he would use to try to diminish the strength and the power of the Israelites. It was a three-tiered plan. The first part of the plan that Pharaoh implemented was that Pharaoh required of the Israelites that they perform slave labor. He gave unto them horrible working conditions, 
and require that they build for him these treasure cities, Python and Ramses. And the idea, the intention that Pharaoh had as he made the Jews to become his slaves was that he would work them so hard that they would no longer have the ability to procreate and continue growing and developing as a nation. But the students know that that plan failed. So then Pharaoh implemented the second tier of his plan to control the size and the power of the, of the Israelites. And that was by commanding the midwives who served the Israelites, giving them the commandment that any daughter who was born was to be kept alive, but any son who was born was to be slaughtered. A horrible and wicked command. But again, the children know the outcome of that, that the midwives disobeyed, God blessed the midwives. The lives of the sons were preserved. Pharaoh, desperate to exert control over the Israelites, comes out now with the third tier to his plan. And he gives a command not just to the midwives, but to all and sundry, that any Hebrew boy who is born is to be cast into the river Nile. If anybody saw a Hebrew boy born into God's covenant nation, it didn't matter if you were an Egyptian soldier It didn't matter if you were an Egyptian bypasser. It didn't matter if you were an Israelite. It was your duty, according to the king's commandment, to take that child and drown him. It's in that context that the Scriptures introduce to us a godly couple named Amram and Jochebed. Amram was of the family of Levi, a Hebrew born to one of the twelve sons of Jacob. He found a young woman, another Hebrew, another woman born to the tribe of Levi, named Jochebed. He loved her, He took her to be his wife. This marriage between Amram and Jochebed was a godly marriage. It was a marriage in which Amram, as the head over his wife, desired to care for her, to protect and nourish his wife. It was a marriage in which Jochebed, as a God-fearing wife, sought to display in this marriage the fruit of the Spirit in her life, dwelling with her husband as a help meet for him. God blessed this marriage between Amram and Jochebed with 
three children. The first child born was a daughter, Miriam. Miriam would grow up to have the characteristics common of one who is the firstborn child in a family, strong-willed, opinionated, courageous, fiercely loyal, a defender of the family. The second-born child in this family was a son, Aaron. Evidently, Aaron was born at a time that preceded the commandment of the king that all of the Hebrew sons who are born are to be cast into the Nile River. Three years passed after the birth of their second son, Aaron, and God opened the womb the third time and blessed this marriage with a son, Moses. Moses. By this point in time, Pharaoh has given his edict that any Hebrew boy must be cast into the Nile River. What would Amram and Jochebed do? The Scriptures tell us that Amram and Jochebed disobeyed the king's commandment and hid their son. For three months, they hid him, first of all, within their own home. We can hardly begin to imagine the stress, the nerves that they must have felt at that time as they hid Moses in the house. Even before the baby would have been born, there must have been attempts to hide the pregnancy. For there walking around were the Egyptian soldiers looking to see if anybody was about to give birth. And if anybody would give birth, then they right away would evaluate to see whether the child born was a daughter or a son. And so not knowing whether their child would be a boy or a girl, it would be the way of wisdom to hide any pregnancy from the eyes of the soldiers of Egypt as they walked around. But then once the child came into this world, and they saw that he was a proper child, that is, they saw that he was a fair, a handsome child, they hid that child. How stressful that must have been for the parents, knowing that if a soldier came by and heard just one cry of the child within the house, that the soldiers would come bursting through that door, rip the child out of the home, and execute the command of Pharaoh. And yet, Amram and Jochebed were not afraid of the king's commandment. After three months, it became clear to them that they could no longer hide the child in their house, and they had to come up with a different plan. 
plan was then to make a small ark, a floating vessel pitched with slime, some sort of mud that would have been resistant to water coming through the cracks. And there they took their infant son, placed him in that miniature ark, and placed that ark floating in the river Nile among the bulrushes. It appears that it was no accident that they chose that particular location, the river Nile, the very body of water which was supposed to be a death sentence for any of the sons born in Israel, was the very location that God-fearing Amram and Jochebed chose to preserve the life of their covenant son. It appears it was no accident that they chose the River Nile. Certainly they had observed Pharaoh's daughter and her maids come down to the River Nile and there to wash themselves. And having observed the pattern of Pharaoh's daughter as she came to the river to wash herself, the parents chose that location to be the spot where they would place their son. Pharaoh's daughter found him there. She opened up the miniature ark There she saw baby Moses, he cried. Standing off in the distance was the older sister, protective Miriam. Miriam, very sharp, immediately volunteered to the daughter of Pharaoh that she would go find a nurse, a wet nurse, who could feed and nourish this baby. Pharaoh's daughter took Miriam up on that offer. Miriam went and found Moses' mother, Jochebed, brought Jochebed back, and Pharaoh's daughter commanded that Moses' mother rear up this child for the time being. Infant Moses was hid. And by the almighty and sovereign grace of God, was saved. Now how? What's the possibility of Amram and Jochebed doing and performing such an act? The only possibility of them performing this is by faith. The text, Hebrews 11, verse 23, speaks of their faith from two different perspectives. By faith, they saw he was a proper child. And then, by faith also, they were not afraid of the king's commandments. By faith, they looked upon this child and saw that he was 
a proper child. Faith and faith only is the explanation of the power by which the God-fearing parents had the audacity to hide that helpless infant son from cruel Pharaoh and his servants. And the faith of Amram and Jochebed becomes all the more remarkable when we consider where they were at at this particular point in history. See, Amram and Jochebed at this point in history did not yet know what would become of their infant son, Moses. It's, it's easy for us as those that, in this late date in history to take our understanding of what Moses would become and impose our understanding of who Moses would become upon Amram and Jochebed. And we all know that Moses would become the great leader of the Israelite nation. We all know that Moses would be the one who would stand up to Pharaoh and say, let my people go. And then because we know what a great leader Moses would become, we would think, well, of course, Moses better be preserved. Better make sure we guard Moses here because he has this important place, this important calling that he is going to execute as the leader of God's people out of bondage and into the land of promise. But that's where we have to go back to what did Amram and Jochebed know? Nowhere do the Scriptures tell us that Amram and Jochebed had any sort of special revelation whereby they would know what would become of Moses. Moses was to them an infant. Precious because he was their infant. But they did not know what would become of him. It is not infrequently that throughout the Scriptures, God has revealed ahead of time to parents what would become of their child. The mother of Samson knew that unto her would be born a Nazarite who, quote, would begin to deliver Israel out of the hand of the Philistines. Judges 13, verse 2. Consider Zacharias and Elizabeth. They knew, Luke chapter 1, that they would have a son who would be great in the sight of the Lord filled with the spirit of Elijah. Consider Joseph and Mary, who knew, according to Matthew 1, verse 21, that they would have a son whose name would be called Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. For many other parents of children who are going to have a prominent and a central place in the salvation of God's people, God is pleased to inform the parents ahead of time about that place that their child will occupy. But nowhere do the Scriptures tell us 
that Amram and Jochebed knew. The only explanation for them hiding their child was faith. By faith, they saw that he was a proper child. As we said earlier, this means literally a beautiful, a handsome child. There was something about Moses' features that stood out to his parents. Now every parent, if I may judge other parents by myself, thinks that their own child or children are the cutest, are the best looking. And yet, there was something remarkable about the beauty of Moses. Something so remarkable that not just Amram and Jochebed noticed this beauty, but Pharaoh's daughter took note of his exceptional beauty and wanted him to be raised up in Pharaoh's home. Now we mustn't imagine here that Amram and Jochebed, prior to observing the outstanding beauty of their son Moses, were of such a mind that they were going to turn him over to the Egyptians. But then only because then they saw that he was such a handsome son that then they had a change of mind. Rather, we must understand that this, beloved, that by faith, Amram and Jochebed previously intended to save this child. It was the desire of their heart to preserve this infant alive. And then God confirmed that decision of Amram and Jochebed. And the way that God confirmed that decision to preserve the life of the child was by giving unto that infant Moses exceptional beauty so that when the parents saw the son, they knew within their hearts that the decision they had previously determined was one that they must abide by. We must preserve the life of this child by faith. As they looked upon him, they saw that he was a proper child. And he must be preserved. And then by faith, they were not afraid of the king's commandment. Faith gave them the courage not to be intimidated by what wicked Pharaoh had commanded. Faith gave them the conviction of heart that God would protect them from the soldiers of Pharaoh pacing around the Israelites. Faith gave unto them the courage to be steadfast in that day of adversity. And we mustn't imagine here that there was something naturally found in Amram and Jochebed that gave them the ability not to be afraid of the king's commandment. We mustn't imagine that there was something inherently in them, a part of their nature, that by nature they were these bold and courageous people 
that by nature there were people who were leading the way to stand up against authority figures, and that now consistent with their bold, courageous nature, they perform yet another act of audacity against the king's commandment. The Scriptures give no indication that Amram and Jochebed were leading the way, resisting the authority of Pharaoh up until they had that child. Indeed, if we may judge the character of the parents by the character of the son that was given unto them, then we might conclude that Amram and Jochebed were meek parents. For the Scriptures declare unto us that above all the men on the face of the earth, Moses was the meekest. Faith and faith only gave Amram and Jochebed the strength not to be afraid of the king's commandment. And faith, and faith only, gives you and me the strength not to be afraid about the future of God's church and God's covenant. Faith gives to us the confidence that God will protect His church. Caution, caution to the one who is confident in himself that because of my strength, because of the determination of my will, because of my resolve, because I'm a lion, I'm going to stand up against the king's commandment when the king gives the evil edict. It's not going to be because of natural strength that one has the ability to resist and not even be afraid of the king's commandment. But just as a caution must be given on the one hand to the self-confident individual, an equally strong caution must be given to the timid and the fearful individual. One who says, I know I am afraid of the king's commandment. I'm nervous and worried about what is going to happen in the future. I know that there is going to come this persecution upon the church. Even as the Israelites in Egypt were persecuted by Pharaoh, I see in that a picture of the ongoing battle between the church and the kingdom of God in this world as that kingdom of God stands over against the kingdom of darkness. And I know that Jesus Christ prophesied in Matthew 24 of this great persecution that's going to come upon the church 
And so the timid individual, as he thinks about these coming realities for the church, can become anxious and worried and afraid. I'm not going to have the ability, perhaps, to stand up against the King's commandment. And to that individual as well, the caution and encouragement must be given. The caution is, don't look to yourself for strength. At root, the problem, the weakness of the timid person is no different than the problem and the weakness of the self-confident and proud person. The proud individual and the timid individual both do the same thing. They turn their eyes inward and they look at what they can do. The proud person concludes, I can do it because I'm so strong. The timid person concludes, I can't do it because I'm so weak. And they both are wrong. The strength that the Christian has to stand up against the evil edict of the king is a strength that is derived from Jesus Christ Himself. That's what faith does. Faith unites us unto our Lord and our Savior. By faith, we receive from Him the strength that we need to live as faithful ambassadors of Jesus Christ in the midst of a perverse and wicked generation. By faith, we receive from the Word incarnate the wisdom that we as parents need to know when to stand up against the king's evil decree. And by faith, we receive not only the wisdom, but also the power to stand up as faith unites us unto the only begotten, the everlasting, the I am that I am, Jesus Christ, our Lord, and our Savior. The significance for Amram and Jochebed as they stood up against Pharaoh's wicked command and hid their son was that God blessed this activity and preserved the life of their son Moses. What joy must have filled the hearts of Amram and Jochebed as Miriam came running back to their house saying, Mama, Mama, the king's, Pharaoh's daughter has found Moses and he wants to keep Moses alive and he's looking for somebody who can be a nurse, who can care for Moses and raise Moses up. What thanksgiving Amram and Jochebed offered unto God as they took that infant back into their home, as they instructed Moses in the fear and knowledge of Jehovah God. How amazing is the love and the tender mercies 
of Jehovah. The significance for the nation of Israel was that God preserved their leader alive. Moses, the one who would go into the courts of Pharaoh. Moses, the one who would demand of Pharaoh ten times over, let my people go. Moses, the one who would take them out of bondage and through that Red Sea. Moses, who served as a figure and a type of Jesus Christ. Moses, who would mediate on behalf of the Israelites. Moses, who went up into the mount and who received that holy law of God. And then who revealed the will of God unto God's covenant nation. Moses, the leader, was preserved. What a triumphant victory for the nation of Israel that by faith, infant Moses was hid. And the significance for you and for me is that we have the confidence that God forever keeps His covenant. The God who promised that He would give to the nation of Israel the land of promise, had not forgotten that word, but would keep it. And did so even through the faith of God-fearing parents. These were dark days for the nation of Israel. A time of persecution and a time of ungodly legislation, a time when wicked desires prevailed, and a time when the righteous were oppressed. And just as it was then, so will it be for us. There comes the day of ungodly legislation A time when the righteous are oppressed. A time when wicked desires prevail. And a time where we as the members of God's church must stand against the wicked edict of the king. The confidence that we have as we anticipate that day is not that we of our own selves are going to be so stalwart that we will stand up against the King. But our confidence is that God will keep His covenant. And that God in His grace will give unto His church God-fearing, Spirit-filled parents who are wise as Amram and Jochebed were. Who have the wisdom to know that even though there is the fear of persecution and even the threat of death, 
that there is someone more powerful with them. And so we fear not, for the Lord of hosts is on our side. Amen. Let us pray. Our Father and our God, we do thank Thee for the witness of Amram and Jochebed for the example that they have given unto us and to Thy church throughout all ages. Wilt Thou give unto us the ability to walk by faith and not by sight? And wilt Thou give us the comfort that when the day of persecution comes, Thou wilt give unto us by Thy Spirit an answer unto the King's command. And so we are not fearful, but we walk by faith. We are not anxious, but we have peace in knowing that we have been united unto our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who bought us with His shed blood and who preserves us in our salvation for the glory of Thy great and holy name. Amen.